Amen. Thank you. Open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. God loves you. God loves you. In fact, God, uh, he so loves you. That's what he says in his word. That's his testimony to us. He loves you greatly. He so loves you. God so loves you that he gives his only begotten son that through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his work of redemption, that we have, that you have a way of salvation. In his great love, he has given us a remedy for our sin. In his great love, he makes that remedy available to all of us in faith. Now, the truth is we cannot earn it. Uh, We do not deserve it. So in his grace, he makes it available to us in faith. And so listen tonight, God in his great love wants us to believe. Uh, do you see that tonight? We're going to see that in our verses. Do you see that? God is not playing games with us. He's not uh, caused some riddle, some puzzle that we have to solve. God wants all people to believe and in believing to be saved. And so I want to tell you tonight, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you're at in your life tonight, God wants you to believe. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says, God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. God wants people to believe. God wants all people to believe. Listen to me. God wants you to believe. And so he goes to great lengths that we will believe. Now, that is an abundant truth in Scripture. That is an abundant truth here in the Gospel of John. It is an abundant truth here in John, the fifth chapter. We're going to see that tonight. Our message tonight is entitled, Won't You Believe? Won't You Believe? We're in John chapter 5, a whole bunch of verses tonight, verses 30 through 47. John chapter 5, verses 30 through through 47. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 5, beginning in the 30th verse. Jesus is speaking. God's Word says this. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me. And the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has testified of me. 
You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive the glory from another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight again. We're thankful for this night, this Thursday night. We're thankful for this 27th night that you've empowered, that you've enabled. We're, we're praying, Lord, that you're able to use it, that you're known through it. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us who are here tonight gathered. We pray for those that will hear in some other means tonight that you would speak to them. And again, I, I do pray that it is supernatural. I pray that you would speak, not a preacher, not a church, not a denomination, but you would speak. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people. I pray that you would instruct us, that you would lead us, that you would grow us that you draw us closer tonight. I pray for those that are hearing tonight that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of the good news of the gospel of Jesus that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Lord, I pray that in all of this that you are known. I pray that in all of this that you're glorified. We bring it to you. We lay it at your feet. We ask that you use it, that you multiply it, that you're known through it. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. In John chapter 5, Jesus has kindly healed a man on the Sabbath. He has used that event to unleash really an avalanche of deep theological truth. Now, there's been great stuff. We've been going through it all week, uh, the last few nights, and, and we see these great grand truths revealed in this event. Well, if we will notice, if we will step back, and if we will look at all of it, we will see that it is actually a call to believe. And so if we'll see what happens in this fifth chapter, if we see the truths that he reveals in this fifth chapter, we will see that really all of it is a call to believe. Now remember, Jesus came to save. And salvation comes by faith, in belief. And so he is leading them, we are reading, he is calling them to believe. Now be very sure tonight, we need to be certain of this. He does not come to crush. That is how some would paint him. He does not come to condemn. That's his own word. He does not come to cast away, but he comes to save. And so he wants people to believe. That is a very plain message. He wants all people to believe. All right, let's look at our verses tonight. The first verse we're going to look at, verse 30, is summing up 
the truth that he has been revealing, the truth that he has been proclaiming that he is God. All right, let's go to verse 30. I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus, again, here in verse 30, again, is showing that he and the Father have the same will. He shows us that. He shows us that they move and they work in harmony. And he tells us there that his judgments are just because they are the same as the Father's. And of course, his would be just as well. And so in this 30th verse, he is showing us that he is equal to the Father because, once again, he is God. Now, he's made that plain to us. He's explained that to us. He is equal, the same as the Father, because he is God. Now, all of what he has said is huge. All of what he has said is mind-blowing. In fact, for these folks that have heard that, they really can't fathom that. They can't understand. They can't imagine the truth that he's told them. He's the same as the Father because he is God. And so as he's told them these things, these these really mind-blowing things, he knows what their objection will be. He knows they're next going to say, says who? says who? Why should we trust you? Who are you to tell us these things? That's what they're going to ask. Says who? In the Old Testament, uh, we find it several places, but we find it recorded in, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18 and chapter 19. It says that one testimony is not enough. Now, it is good. They are glad to hear it. Now, they're glad for an eyewitness account. They'll listen to it. But to make a decision, an important decision, to make a judgment, the law in Deuteronomy requires two or three witnesses. It says two witnesses or even three testimonies must be presented. Well, Jesus knows their objection. He knows what they're about to say. Who says? And so we find these verses tonight. All right, verse 31. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Now understand what he's saying in verse 31. He's not saying that what he's going to say is a lie. He's not saying that it's, it's not trustworthy, that it's false. But he's saying if, if he speaks of himself alone, they're not going to count it as the truth. That's what he says. No matter what I say, You will not count it as the truth because I am testifying of myself. One person could be biased. One person could be mistaken. We know that. One person could even misrepresent the truth. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Verse 32. There is another who testifies of me. And I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. Now, in verse 32, Jesus says, God the Father has also testified. That's what he says. I know another one has testified about me. He's talking about God the Father has also testified as to the truth of Jesus. In fact, we're about to see in our coming verses, he's about to show them, if you need 
two witnesses, if you need two testimonies, or to top that, if you need three testimonies, he says, I'll top that. I will give you four testimonies. Now think about this. Why would he do that? Why, Why does he overdo it? Why don't you just give him two? You need two to back it up. I'll give you two. You need three, I'll give you three. He goes above that. You need two, I'll give you four. Why does he do it? Why does he build such a strong case? Listen to me. It is because the goal, his goal is belief. Jesus wants them to believe. That's why he does that. Jesus wants us to believe. All right, so he's going to give them four testimonies. He wants them to believe. The first testimony is that of John the Baptist. Now, we've actually been calling him John the Testifier, so we're about to have his testimony. The first is John the Baptist, John the Testifier, starting in verse 33. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Now, remember the story. Uh, The Jews had sent out a delegation to John the Baptist, who was baptizing in the Jordan River. They send out a delegation, and when they get there, they want to know, who are you? Are you Elijah? Come back. Are you a prophet sent of God? Are you even the Messiah? And so they sent out a delegation wanting to know, who are you? Well, John testified to the truth. He says, I am the prophesied forerunner. The book of Isaiah says there's going to be one that's going to be a a forerunner to make the way straight. He says, I'm the one that is preparing the way for the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. I'm the one preparing the way for the Messiah. But remember, his testimony is also, however, he is the one pointing to Jesus, referring to Jesus. He is the Lamb of God that's come to take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, sent by God, testified to the truth of Jesus. That's the first argument that he makes. Remember John the Baptist? He testified to the truth. He did not tell a lie. And he testified to the truth of Jesus, sent by God. All right, verse 34. But the testimony which I receive is not from man. But I say these things so that you may be saved. But I say these things so that you may be saved. Jesus says in verse 34, I'm presenting all of this so that you may be saved. I want to go slow right here. I want you to think about this. Do these people believe, he's talking to them, do they believe? Some of them might, but most of them don't. In fact, these are the people that are going to kill Jesus. And so he he says, I'm telling these things that you might believe. Some of them are going to believe, most of them are not. In fact, these are the people that will kill Jesus. After the resurrection, do you think these people will believe, these that he's talking to? Do you think they're going to believe? Well, the truth is, some will But most of them won't. He says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Some are going to believe. They're going to remember the testimony, but most will not. And yet, here's what I want you to see. And yet, Jesus makes the case. 
Jesus presents the testimony. Jesus even goes the extra mile, his own words, so that you may be saved. I want you to hear me tonight. I want you to be very sure of this. Jesus loves all people. And therefore, Jesus wants all people to believe. And so Jesus compels all people. Here he is compelling all people to believe. He wants you to believe. Are there some some that he's written off? Are there some that have gone too far? Are there some he's not interested in? Are there some that do not belong to a particular group? No. He goes to these and he compels them to believe. He wants us to believe. Verse 35. Still speaking of John the Baptist, he says he was the lamp that was burning and was shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. John the testifier was a lamp. He was burning. He was shining so that he, so that they would see. He, he was truly a testifier. God sent him to testify. He was a light. He was testifying. Now Jesus says here, and you rejoice for a little while. Now remember the account. It says that the crowds all went out. Remember it said all Jerusalem was going out to see John. Here's this guy, and he's out in the wilderness. He's baptizing at the Jordan River, a baptism of repentance. And it said all of Jerusalem, in fact, all of Judea, went out to John. Well, they remember that. In fact, many of them had gone out. You received him for a little while. You delighted in him for a little while. They remember that. So the first testimony is the testimony of John the Baptist, John the Testifier. The second testimony, he's going to give him another one. The second testimony is the testimony of miracles. The testimony of miracles. Look at verse 36. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. Jesus says in verse 36, as great as John's testimony was, he says this one is even greater. And he reminds them of his miracles. He says, the very works that I do, not pretend, the very works that I do. Now, they had heard, many of them had seen the miracles of Jesus. The Bible says that in Jerusalem he had done many miracles and some were believing. And so he had done many miracles all around Jerusalem. They had heard of those miracles. Well, this man here at the Sheep Gate, the very reason that they're having this discussion, this man had been healed. The reason they're there talking about this is because the healing of this man. Well, he says these miracles, they testify of me. They bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And so all these miracles, all these signs were testifying to the truth that Jesus was sent by the Father. Now we got plenty of time. I think we've got 70-something more days to go, so I'm going to give you a bonus right here. How can you tell if a miracle is real? Here's a good question. How can you tell if a miracle is of God? 
Folks might want to know that. How do you know if it's a real miracle? How do you know if it's of God? Here's a question. Does it confirm and strengthen the testimony of the gospel? That's the question to ask. Be very sure tonight, understand this. The miracles in the New Testament were for the reason of confirming and verifying the gospel of Jesus Christ. The miracles in the New Testament were for the purpose of confirming and verifying the messengers of the gospel. There were no other reasons. I see guys on TV, maybe you do. I hear about services. Someone always wants to run and tell me about some service where they'll say 50 people got saved. We got 50 people got healed. We were somewhere and 50 people got healed. We had a service and it was awesome. You should have been there. 50 people got healed. There was this one guy and he got healed of this thing. And they have story after story. 50 people got healed. And I'll ask the question, what, did anybody get saved? Did we tell you 50 people got healed? Friends, be sure tonight, miracles were always to testify to the gospel. They were always to verify the messengers of the gospel. I heard a guy one time tell me, and it was good advice. If Jesus came that all people be rich, when he left and ascended to heaven, all people have been rich. And he said, if he came and his goal is that no one would ever be sick, When he left and ascended to heaven, there would be not one person ever sick. But he said if he came so that they would have a Savior, that they would have the remedy for sin, when he left and ascended to heaven, they would have a Savior. Jesus is the Savior for sin. His miracles testified to him. That's the second testimony. All right, the third testimony is the testimony of the Father. The testimony of the Father. You need two or three. Here's the third one, verse 37. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Remember the couple of events at Jesus' baptism. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. It says, And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father said that. At the transfiguration, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 17. It says this. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus says here, you haven't heard his voice. You haven't seen his form at any time. But God the Father has testified to Jesus. He audibly testified to Jesus. Can you imagine that? So Jesus has told them who he is. They won't believe. They need two or three witnesses. And so he's given them the the witness of John the Baptist, the testimony of his miracles And the testimony of the Father. Well, he adds another one, one more. And that is this, the testimony of Scripture. The testimony of Scripture. Let me read verse 38. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. 
Listen very carefully tonight. Because of God's grace and in his wisdom, we have his word. And I, I want to impress this upon us. I want us to be sure of this. Listen to me. Friends, we have the word of God. We listen. We have, this is, we have the word of God. We have, we possess the word of God. I want to tell you today, we are less and less impressed by that. Today, we become apathetic to that. Today, we're not amazed. We're not astonished. We don't even appreciate that. But nonetheless, listen to me. We have the words of God. These are his words. That is a big deal. We have the words of God. And Jesus says we're to let them abide in us. It means we're to be filled up with his words. I'm going to tell you, life will be a whole lot better if we were quit being filled up with the nonsense of the world and we were filled up with the words of God. Jesus says we're to abide in his word. We're to be filled up with his words. But he says, but you're not filled with his words if you deny any of the truths of Jesus. Be sure of this tonight. The Muslims know the scriptures. Sadly, maybe better than some, some believers, but they're not abiding in the word. The Mormons, they talk all about Jesus, man. They got some similar words, but they're not abiding in the word. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they say that they're witnesses to the one true God. They're not abiding in the Word because the Word points to Jesus. In fact, the Word is Jesus. And if you do not believe the truth of Jesus, you do not know the Word of God. You want to know the standard? It's Jesus. You want to know the plumb line? It's Jesus. You want to know the measure? It's Jesus. If you're abiding in the word, you will know the truth of Jesus. All right, verses 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Listen to this. It is these that testify about me, verse 40. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. They have the Old Testament scriptures, and this is actually what they do. They search them. They pour over them, looking for some way to be saved, looking for some rules to keep. Look, here's some rules. Looking for some rituals to uphold. Maybe we'll do these things. Looking for some things to do that they might have eternal life. They're looking for some rules, some rituals, some things that they might be saved. And Jesus says, yet you're missing it. These scriptures that you're pouring over, they are pointing to me. The account of the fall of man in Genesis, it's pointing to Jesus. The promised deliverer, the seed of the woman, is pointing to Jesus. He says, it's pointing to me. The deliverance in the ark of Noah, it's pointing to Jesus. The account of Abraham, it's pointing to Jesus. Oh, the blessed promised land, the land of rest, it's pointing to Jesus. The law of Moses that they love so much, it was pointing to Jesus. The prophets of God, they are talking of Jesus. The kings on their thrones are pointing to Jesus. The city of God, Jerusalem, it's pointing to Jesus. The temple of God, it's pointing to Jesus. Jesus says, all of these scriptures are pointing to me and you're unwilling to come to me 
so that you may have life. Testimony of Scripture is that Jesus is our Savior. Verse 41, it gets interesting. I do not receive glory from men. He's just telling them. I do not receive glory from men. It means you do not receive me. You're not, you're not glorifying me. Men won't glorify me. You're not receiving me. Here's why, verse 42. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. Verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Now, I want you to see what's going on in these verses. Pretty, pretty interesting here. See this. It wasn't about God. It wasn't about loving God. It wasn't about glorifying God. No, it was about glorifying one another. And Jesus says, you will not believe, verse 44, because it's not about that for you. That's what he says. It's, it's not about that for you. It's not about loving God. It's not about walking with God. It's not about bringing glory to God. Instead, what it was for them is they would say to each other, oh, look how righteous you are. And that's how, that's how it was going. Look how righteous you are. And they say, oh, not me. Look how pious you are. Oh, look how pious you are. And they say, oh, not me, but you. And look how respected you've become. Oh, surely not me. You're more respected than I am. Look how respected you've become. Oh, not me. Oh, you. And they would say, well, everybody at the temple knows about you. They're all talking about you. Oh, not me. It's you they're talking about. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Doesn't have to. The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you've set your hope. Jesus says, I don't have to accuse you because the word of God accuses you. These words of Moses that you've made your status symbol, these words of Moses you use to exalt yourself, they accuse you. They were pointing to me, and you're rejecting me. The words that you love so much are going to accuse you. Verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. This is an important verse. For if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. Friends, let me settle something tonight. This is the word of God. This is the word of God, and it is the story of Jesus. It is the story of Jesus. Listen to me very carefully tonight. Hear me tonight. If you want the testimony of John the Baptist, you go to God's word. If you're here tonight and say, oh, I'd like to have the testimony of John the Baptist, you go to God's word. If you want the testimony of John the Apostle, you go to God's word. If you want the testimony of Moses or Isaiah or Jeremiah, you go to God's word. 
If you want the testimony of miracles, oh, I wish I could have seen some of those. It is full of them. You go to God's word. If you want the testimony of the Father, you go to God's word. If you want the testimony of Jesus, you go to God's word. If you want the testimony of an empty tomb, you go to God's word. Listen to me. This is God's word. It is not a good luck charm. It is not a book of ethics or morals. It is not a book of Proverbs. It is the story of Jesus. God's word. Praise the Lord. Is the story of Jesus. Verse 47. Last verse. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? He is calling them. You love the words of God, so you say, then listen to those words because they're my words as well. He's telling them, believe, believe, believe. I was writing that out and finishing that up this afternoon and it just struck me. You know, for most of us, the very first song we learn in church as a little kid, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The testimony of Scripture is telling us Jesus is our hope. The Savior of Scripture says, believe, believe, believe. In grace, I will save you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Dream Father, we come tonight, and I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for your, your love for us as sinners. Thankful for your grace shown to us that you make a way where we have no way. We can be forgiven of our sin, every, every rotten, sorry sin, the ones everybody knows about, the ones that nobody knows about. We can be forgiven. The shame will be removed. The guilt is removed. There's peace with you, forgiveness. Lord, I'm thankful that you make a way. Lord, I, I pray that in the hearing of this word tonight, in the testimony of your word tonight, that if there's one and perhaps many that do not know you, I pray that tonight they would turn to you in faith. They would receive you in faith and they would be saved in your grace tonight, your power. Lord, I pray that any hindrance would be removed, anything that would stop that, that would impede that would be removed. And I pray that tonight many turn to you, trusting you in belief, in faith, stir in their hearts. Lord, I, I pray for us that have trusted you. I pray that we've been encouraged tonight. I pray that we've been renewed tonight. Maybe I, I pray that we have a new joy that springs up in our heart when we see the love and the grace of our Savior. Lord, I, I pray that that would change us as we leave here. I pray that it would drive us to abide in your word, that we would know you more deeply. And I pray, Lord, that we would tell others about the hope that we have that's within us, that they would find the same hope. Lord, I pray that you use it for your glory. Lord, I'm thankful for this day, thankful for this Message this truth of your word. I pray, Lord, that it now goes out and that it carries the impact that it's due that you have for it. And I pray the result is that you'd be known and you'd be glorified through it. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time together, our service.
with a time of invitation, a time of responding to the truth of God's word. The truth of the gospel is this. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He so loves you that he gave his only begotten son to remedy your sin problem, to remedy my sin problem, to carry our sins to the cross and pay for it there. Redeem us in his own blood. And that's what he does. They put him in a grave. He comes out of that grave. He's alive three days later, victorious. He stands as the risen Savior, the hope of sinners. And the Bible says no work that we could do, but by faith in him, if we'll trust him, we'll be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it tonight. If you're sitting under the guilt and the condemnation of your sin, you're tired of sitting there. Trust him tonight. He'll forgive you. He will save you. Trust him tonight. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, the Bible says it's by immersion after the point that we're saved, not before. If you would say, you know what, I, I, I need to be baptized. And I want to do it in honor of what Christ says, in obedience to what he says. And I want to be a testifier through baptism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You come as well. We'll set a great day and it'll be a great day of testimony pointing to the truth that we believe of Jesus. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it, you believe God's led you here as well, you come. We'll take care of that. Together, we'll serve His purpose for His glory. Maybe on this Thursday night, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me here at the front. Maybe you're dealing with something nobody knows about. The Bible says nothing's too big, nothing's too small. We can approach Him in His grace. And so maybe you want to come tonight and just pray here at an altar or pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. We pray for those that are making decisions. We'll be done in just a moment. If God is speaking to you as we, step, as we stand and sing, you step out, you come on. I'll meet you here.